All right. Uh, jazz aficionados know this to be a seminal tune in the in the pro bop movement, and uh, this was a, a noted song. Julian Cannonball Adderley and his quintet with a, something called This Here. That's how you're supposed to say it, too. This Here. <laughs> Adderley is on alto sax, and uh, this comes from a box set of 57 tunes uh, that was put together after his death in 1975. But this box set was produced in 2011, and we should all be grateful that it actually exists. So much music in one place. This is Lead Stories. I'm Utrice Lee. Good to have you back, and good to be back with you. Something interesting happened to me over the weekend. Well, I could talk about the weekend already. Something happened to me on this uh, anniversary or the celebration of Juneteenth and uh, I wasn't prepared for it really you know I don't get excited about holidays I just you know go with the flow I get excited if people are coming you know, from a long way or people I haven't seen in a while and whatnot, you get a little excited about that. But generally, I don't get all worked up about holidays. But this one, it struck me as most unusual, my own reaction to it. And I've been thinking about that. I thought, maybe I ought to share some things with you on that because it was, for me, quite profound. As you know, it was the first real federal celebration of Juneteenth. Now, it's, what is Juneteenth? June the 19th, commemorating the emancipation of enslaved people and enslaved people in the United States. It first began in Texas, where the celebration be, uh, started, in 1865, in the aftermath of the Civil War, enslaved people were declared free under the terms of the 1862 Emancipation Proclamation. And many felt, well, it was proclaimed that we would be free, so we will take you at your word. Of course, saying it doesn't mean it necessarily as we found out over from 1863 to today, 1862, sorry, the Emancipation Proclamation 
was issued in 1862. I got up and, you know, I just decided I would do regular stuff, clean a little bit, dust a little bit, and relax mostly. Just relax, do a lot of reading. And something kind of came over me. And what came over me, I don't want to be overly dramatic here, but it was quite an experience for me, was that it was Juneteenth after all. And I am an immigrant citizen. And that puts me in a whole other category. I came to the United States in my early teenage years and have been here ever since I became a citizen of this country. But I always had a country, even though it was a little island named Trinidad and a sister island, which was even smaller, called Tobago. But I did have an identity. I, had, I did have a sense of who I was. What made me, me. And suddenly there was this overwhelming sadness that in this country, the land of the free, the hope of the brave, etc., people for generations didn't even have that. And for no other reason than the fact that their skin was black. And so it was normal to disfranchise them, exploit them, enslave them. And on the flip side of that coin, you had people who were determined to live. Arguably, not in the best of circumstances. Not in the best of anything. Living on life's edge. And owning nothing, having nothing, being nothing in the eyes of the greater world surrounding you. That is a terrible thing. A terrible thing to experience. And it came to mind how ironic things could be. Here in the celebration of Juneteenth, people were jubilant. All over America, they made an effort on the news to 
cover stories about people celebrating freedom. But what was it that they were celebrating? It became as elemental as life. They were breathing still. They were standing up. They were still functioning despite the torrent of torture and denial and famine and enslavement that people had to face and their children and their children's children and it seemed that it would never end it will just go on like that forever and suddenly I became very sad and I thought about what did parents think at that time young people who had children that they were to raise as the new generation the new crop of slaves with no future I got very very sad And in my own heart, I said a prayer. I wouldn't say what I said, but it was a heartfelt prayer. And I felt that we needed that. We needed that yesterday more than anything. We needed to take the time to acknowledge the past. We didn't plan it that way. It was planned and it succeeded spectacularly. Free labor propelled this nation into the gallery of nations. Free labor. And something said to me, I understand, I, I, I appreciate the need, if I use that word, the need to exhale as the old saying goes the need to exhale but something tells me we need we need serious development of our inner consciousness all of us inner consciousness this nation is going to hell in a handbasket. It had already been there substantially for a couple of centuries already. 
but we can't be lulled into the, you know, the merriment and the happiness. We can't be lulled into it. It's all false. It's all false. It won't be true until the people who are enslaved make it so. Pronounce it to be so. Approve it as such. That's not going to happen for quite a while. So that's how I spent my day. And contemplative thought. I did not expect to do that. I stopped everything I was doing and just sat down on a very nice old couch that I have. And it seemed to be the right place to be, the right thing to do, to contemplate my very existence and to ask myself some questions. What do you think people would say, those from 1865, 1862, 1863, now, and I would ask you, what do you think of us as a whole, as a society, if I dare use the word? I use it advisedly, okay? I'm not suggesting we are a society. But have we come to terms at all with our past, with the unimaginable pain and suffering and enslavement and denial of people, the dehumanization? Have we really talked about that? Do you think only some people are affected, but not you? Or do you think as a society, we've learned, we've learned that success is showing all the aspects of happiness and achievement when in fact we're so far from it. We're not anywhere near where we could be if this society were run by real human beings who valued other human beings. 
who were dedicated to justice, equality, all the good things they talk about but don't do or don't believe. So I thought, well, this was something I should share with you. And as I was going through my thing, what were you going through yesterday? What were you thinking? We already saw how the media thought we should be thinking about it. Party, party, party. Have a parade. You know, be out in the streets and dance. Dance yourself into oblivion. So I thought I would ask you, what did you feel yesterday? If you felt anything at all. I mean, seriously. And it's not a question for just black people, okay? It's for all people. What did you feel that as a society we pretend that we have achieved in some instances, we've achieved spectacular things, but we haven't? 888-874-4888 is the number to call and share your thoughts on this day. And uh, I would really like to know what you, what you're thinking, what you're thinking about this whole manufactured merriment that doesn't in any way suggest the reality of life for most people of color in this country. What are you thinking? 888-874-4888. Let's hear from you. The lines are open now. I think we should... I, I don't want to begrudge anybody the idea of being, you know, festive. I, I don't want that to come across as my intention. Not at all. But I think the circumstances of our collective lives tell us that we need to be more contemplative. We need to be more strategic in our planning. We need to be more serious about where we are going, if we are going anywhere. Henry from Chicago, you start us off today. Greetings, Eutrice. Hope all is well with you. I'm hanging. All right. Just, just like me, hanging in there. <laughs> hanging in there. Um, <laughs> well, you know, before I was kind of skeptical about, you know, the celebration of Juneteenth uh, as well, but after doing some reading and studying on it, from legit historians 
uh, listening to scholars about, you know, the actual history of it, I find myself with a better appreciation of it now. Um, yesterday, uh, one of our favorite historians, Dr. Gerald Horn, along with Dr. Greg Carr, uh, at, at the uh, radio station, I think it was in D.C., uh, Pacifica radio station, they basically gave a three-hour lecture on Juneteenth. And after listening to that, uh, uh, like I said, along with the, the with the extra studying that I did with it, I, I have a better appreciation of it. And here's why: because I think the narrative that we that we receive about Juneteenth is incomplete, but I think it's intentional. You know, the the, the like you, I think you mentioned it before. The basic narrative is. Uh, June 8th, June 19th, 1865, General Granger comes into Galveston, Texas, and tells the slaves that they're free. But I think that's an incomplete story because of the fact that, for one, the slaves had already knew that they were free two years ago uh, from the Emancipation Proclamation. However, you know, with slavery, as it was enforced by the lash and the gun, it was, you know, the, the abolishment of slavery had to come through the same method of, you know, of, of, of enforcement. So those slaves in Texas understood that a piece of paper is just a piece of paper. But it was not just Gordon Granger coming in telling them to uh, that they were free, that it was a black brigade, 75% Seventy-five percent of black brigade came in with Gordon Granger to enforce the abolishment of slavery. So this gives a different perspective of of of, of how we tell our story, because we always have this misconception that you know um, white people freed us, and that wasn't the case. It was a it was a it was a regiment of black troops with guns who came and freed us. So it was us who freed. So I get this different perspective of it, and and I agree with you as well that that you know um, that that liberation is not complete, even to this day. Even though we are, you know, even though we are not, you know, in the physical bondage of slavery, we're still mentally in bondage. We're still economically in bondage, but. It should also be, as you were stating, a time of reflection and reflecting on our struggle as as a people, especially in this country, because the 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 uh, you know the the uh, the fight isn't over yet, and I think this should serve as something that 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 should be over. Now I want to give one last point in the lecture that uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Horn and Doctor Carr gave. And Dr. Horn has just recently released a book, uh, The Counter-Revolution of 1836, Texas Slavery, uh, um, uh, Jim Crow and the Roots of U.S. Fascism. He has a whole chapter on Juneteenth. And he talks about a second Juneteenth that happened in Mexico when the Mexican uh, Republic, uh, who was being occupied by the French, was defeated, uh, and basically uh, the the puppet emperor of France, Maximilian, was executed. 
he makes this important because of the fact that when the Civil War ended in 19, I mean, 1865, a lot of the Confederates fled to Mexico under the occupation of French to regroup and reestablish itself to fight a quote-unquote second civil war against the United States. And if it wasn't for this defeat, with the help of Mexicans and indigenous and black soldiers, that we would have seen a second civil war going on. And Dr. Horn makes this emphasis in his book and in that lecture about the importance of what he calls the second Juneteenth. Uh, January, uh, I mean, June 19th, 1867. So I think we all, we often have to do this reflection about how we celebrate it because, you know, in, in a lot of cases we've been handed this, you know, we've been handed this narrative and we don't know what we're celebrating. And, and in, if you're going to celebrate something, at least know what you're celebrating. Thank you, Henry for starting us off on point. Thank you very much. Thank Gwen from New York, you're on the air. Um, yeah, I had a lot of thoughts, uh, ambivalent thoughts about Juneteenth yesterday. Um, I remember the, remember the first time I, I, uh, I don't know whether it was a celebration, but Nellie Bailey walked us like 10 miles on Juneteenth and she does it every year. So by the end, you uh, you feel... You feel just happy it's over, but uh, I watched David Muir last night on MB on CBS News, uh, awkwardly trying to put a happy spin on this day, and uh, it was it was clear that he didn't really understand. Well, he understood it, uh, but it was not something that was on his radar. It didn't appear to be uh, up to this point. But um, it's a hard thing to put a happy spin on this because. This is not really a happy day. Um, you know, if we were going to celebrate a holiday like the emancipation, that's probably me a celebration. A war was fought and it was won and people were emancipated. But this is something where people were being duped for, for two years and they would have continued to be duped if the uh, troops had not gone down and, and gotten them uh, out of that situation. And so it's kind of sad to think that um, it took that it took that extra effort there, and it sounds like there was another one, you know, in Mexico, uh, as uh, the previous caller talked about. And so I'm not really sure. It's kind of um, to me, Juneteenth is sort of um, a wound, uh, and and it seems that there is some sadness about it. Uh, well, a lot of sadness that you know people had um, been living horrible lives and then you know the the state wanted to hang on to it for as long as they can could so they they fooled the people for for as long as they possibly could and then somebody had to come and uh and emancipate these people so i'm not i'm not really sure if i could i don't don't really feel that that's really a happy yes it's happy that they got out but it's kind of uh a terrible thing that they had to be gotten out, that they weren't released right away when they should have been released. And, uh, that it was, it was just more, uh, insult to injury in, in my point of view. Um, so I think that the celebratory part of it is that, that the people that organized for this 
and uh, led the fight to make it happen. There is a celebration in that. Uh, there is a celebration also in, you know, pointing out, this is what the news had a problem with. This is what they really had a problem. They had a problem with saying that these people were basically effed over by the, uh, the government of the state of Texas and that they had to come in and literally be rescued by uh, the, the soldiers to get them out and to get what was rightfully theirs, their freedom. And so it's very awkward when you listen to people try to put a happy spin on this because it really, you know, it's, it's not a happy story. Uh, it's happy that they got out, but why didn't they get out when they were supposed to get out? And why did, why did the whole institution of slavery, um, you know, happen anyway? Um, so I just think that, you know, I think, though, I guess there's a lot of holidays in America that we do this too. A Memorial Day is not really a happy day. I mean, what are we celebrating? You know, we're celebrating lots of people that died. And just uh, but because this was a new and fresh one, I guess that um, the relevance is more poignant because it's brand new. And so you really you have to think about it because they, they are they are putting the meaning out. They're letting you know what's behind it. Uh, in many places, not all places, and letting you know that this wasn't really a happy story. Um, so, you know, I am happy people uh, eventually got out, but I'm sorry that they were duped for as long as they were. And um, clearly, I'm very sorry about the whole institution of racism. I feel really bad about it. I don't, I don't, I think the only thing that, um, you know, white people can watch it, we can empathize, but it's different when you're black, you know, that blood is in your veins, that history is in your heart. My husband, his, you know, it was sad when they pulled up his, you know, family history. I mean, yes, they could find his roots back to Virginia, but man, Virginia had so many slaves in it. And, um, you know, it was, it is just different being it and, and empathizing. Um, so, you know, me, it was kind of a sad day. And, uh, I think that's, all I can really share about it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you very much. Ed from Queens, you're on the air. Hello, Ed. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes, Yeah, can, can you hear me? I don't know if we got a yes, good indeed. connection there. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Oh no, I wasn't sure if we had a good connection. I was having some difficulty with my with my cellular device. So good afternoon. Um, Juneteenth. Well, you know, in this country being African American, any day off is a good day for me. <laughs> that being said <laughs> That being said, I mean, you know, history is written by the victors. And unfortunately, uh in this country for the past 200, uh, 300 years, the, the the whites establishment has been the victor. So, uh, yes, we all, you know, if you look into Juneteenth and you see what the celebration was really about, you see that people were enslaved two and a half whole years before they were actually freed by the Emancipation Proclamation, which in that of itself was a military ploy by Abraham Lincoln to punish the South because it freed slaves that were of the Confederacy. It didn't free all the slaves because Maryland, Delaware, um, uh, uh, several border states still had slavery in them, even when the Civil War was going on. So that being said, I mean, if you look 
if you pull the curtain behind American history, you see a lot of the, fall, the fallacies. But you take it for what it is. I mean, I, we, we've always had a, as far as race, as far as uh, human rights, as far as civil rights, we've always had a tendency to take two steps for, to take one step forward and two steps back. And that's been the history of us, of the of the African American struggle in this country to become quote unquote a part of it. So I mean, I, I take it as it comes, you know. I, I, I did I celebrate? Not so much. Do I appreciate having a day off? You betcha, because uh, you know people work from sun up to sundown, and uh, there, there were skeletons found in African in slave graveyards where the actual muscle was worked away from the bone. So I, I appreciate having a day off. But as far as uh, the flowery presenting of Juneteenth as what it really is, those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. So I urge everyone study your history. Find out what the real meat and potatoes is behind this holiday. Find out that Texas wasn't really on the battlefront during the Civil War. So a lot of enslavers ran to Texas, and Galveston is one of the furthest points in Texas. And uh, and, and, and even after uh, General Order 3 was read by the general, some of the enslavers still kept their slaves up until harvest time. And the real celebration of Juneteenth didn't happen until December. Because after the harvest, then they told them, okay, by the way, you're free to go. And when they were freed, there's the whole thing of sharecropping and indentured servitude because they didn't have any money. What is, what is freeing a man if you don't give him any place to live, if you don't give him anything to eat? So from, from one form of slavery to another, they went. There's a lot of things behind it, and, and you've got to educate yourself so you get a real appreciation of what this country is about. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much for contributing today. Gary from Hempstead, you're on the air. Good afternoon, beloved. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you. Good afternoon to you. You touched on so many things today in your introduction. I think this is, it does it does little justice to this to the points you raised to try to get all the dialogue in in one segment. So many things you said that I was reacting to, but I'll just try to distill it down to a few. Um, I had mixed emotions about yesterday. I mean, anything to me that um, celebrates the enduring resistance um, and and um, struggle and uh, survival and resilience of uh, uh, black people is a joy to me. Anything that uplifts and highlights our ability to, you know, transcend our circumstances, regardless of, you know, what mechanism it was. In this case, obviously, as the earlier speaker stated, it was the the Emancipation Proclamation and the black troops that came to Texas. So I'm, I'm, um, you know, my heart is lifted by that. And um, I feel good about that. But, you know, the other side of it is, you know, we have a holiday now. And, you know, we uh, unfortunately um, celebrate and embrace a lot of, of um, symbolism. And to me, a holiday is another just symbol. And it doesn't, it has no power. It has no power 
to reform or transform our circumstances. You know, Biden signed off on it, but we still haven't don't have anything on uh, voting rights. I mean, I've heard so many uh, references to yesterday as celebrating freedom. And, you know, when you put it in the backdrop uh, of the fact that, you know, we may not our vote may mean nothing after um, a lot of these uh, elections that are coming up in the midterm and a lot of these laws that are being passed in these states redistricting communities and um, also providing secretaries of state the uh, ability to uh, nullify a legitimate uh, vote. Um, you know, you, you got to ask yourself, what kind of freedom do we have? You know, this really seems to celebrate a mythology of progress for us as a people. And um, so I'm, I'm disenchanted by that. Uh, so th- th- those are just some of my initial thoughts on, on, on the Juneteenth. The one thing I took note of is aside from a few speakers on the big production they have, I forget which network it was on yesterday. Aside from, you know, they have Earth, Wind, and Fire, and uh, Lucky Day, and several other people performing. Aside from a lot of the um, entertainment, there was very little in the way of education, you know, informing. I even went uh, to a uh, Juneteenth um, event at a, uh, at a museum, and once again, it was vendors selling their wares, and I do believe in supporting black business. That's important. When there were drummers and DJs and, and rappers and the this and that, but not, nothing really to talk about the historic significance or impact or details around this event. So, um, you know, you said something earlier, too, also that kind of struck a chord within me because I talk about this. Uh, I've talked about this a lot over the years with friends, and I'm, I'm not sure if this was the direction you were going. But, you know, I am a black American born in this country, but my parentage goes back to the Caribbean, Jamaica, and need this. Um, and so I have both sides of the fence. I grew up drinking bush tea as a child. <laughs> you know, a lot of people won't even know anything about that. You know, I'm so sorry to hurt you. You know, in your ear like that. Uh-huh. I'm sorry What'd to have say? burst into the laughter in your ear you like know, that. I'm glad you did because that means that, you know, there's something we have in common in our background. But I'm saying I'm a, I, I was, I'm a black American, but my, I'm still rooted in cultural norms and traditions going back to the Caribbean. But one thing I've felt for a very long time, that many blacks in the diaspora, I think, have a, a certain contempt towards black Americans. And I'm not sure if this is what you were referring to when you talked about the association with Trinidad. But any Jamaican can say, 
I'm Jamaican and point to a homeland that they feel received by and embraced by and connected to. Trinidadians, Africans from Ghana or Somalia or wherever they come, regardless of the conditions in those countries, they feel a connection. I've always referred to black people in America as strangers in a strange land. You know, you know, I look back on Whitney Houston. I thought she did the greatest rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. But every time, even though I, I um, you know, am amazed by her technical ability in performing that song, my heart is burdened by the thought that it's almost like someone is reaching out to a lover who continues to reject them. And I feel like... You know, black people, we've built this country, we've, uh, we've, we've uh, suffered and, and enriched it and, and, and sacrificed for it and gone to wars to protect it. And even now our monies are being sent over to, to European country to protect, so-called protect their liberties and freedoms. And we don't have the things, we're not embraced, we're not loved, we're not cared for, we're not desired. And, and a lot of, uh, of blacks I've found, especially amongst Caribbeans, because that's my closest connection, kind of look down on black America. They come over here and they say, oh, you got all these opportunities, and you're on welfare, you don't want to work, you're this, you're that. And look, we come and we start a business. And a lot of them don't even realize that they are here today and it can take advantage of certain opportunities because of the incredible sacrifices of, of other blacks. I may be getting off the path. I apologize. But like I said, you touched, you hit so many chords within me that I think there's a whole series that can be discussed on just your intro today. I mean, a week we can spend on your intro and thank you for, um, you know, patiently uh, allowing me to express my thoughts. Thank you, Gary, uh, for contributing today so meaningfully. Thank you so much. I am delighted to see this name. Brother Dave, where have you been? I've been trying to find uh, you. Uh, yes, I'm sorry, but I had an accident, and that's why oh. this affair. Yeah, okay. So I found How are you feeling now? Uh, well, not well. I'm in the hospital, and uh, I found a way to uh, be able to uh, get the program from the hospital. So I can't talk much, but there's one thing that strikes me, and I think people should think it's very important. The point is when the ruling class, which I talk about fully, frequently, decide to do something like uh, make Juneteenth a legal federal holiday or Martin Luther King a holiday, that is nothing but Throwing a zone, drawing a zone. Everything remains the same for those who rule. They don't want any change, and it does mean that it is a 
question for phenotype uh, white fever or black fever or any phenotype fever. The ruling class is not going to give up anything, even though they give us Martin Luther King's Day and uh, Juneteenth as federal holidays. So that's the main point that I could make. I'm getting kind of tired now. Uh, yes, I can uh, hear you. But yeah, I'm so yeah, delighted to hear your voice today. I've been calling your home, yeah. but uh, I yeah. figured something was wrong because I, I yeah. didn't get an answer. And yeah. uh, But I'm yeah, glad to so. hear your voice today. Very glad to Thank hear your voice today. I'll be glad. And hopefully we'll hear from you again uh, as you yeah, get stronger. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, let's go. Um, Jackie from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, good afternoon. I'm outdoors, uh, you two in the family. I wanted to call because I had the same reaction that you had, Beatrice, yesterday. And I was talking with a friend of mine, and I was asking her the question, how have uh, black people in this country fared from 1863 to 2022? The other issue is that I think there should be civic celebration taught during the Juneteenth uh, ceremonies, voting awareness, as well as history. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that what happened to the people in Texas is just one aspect. There were enslaved people in all different states. And I don't really know. I told her I would do, my friend, I would do the research about it. How many people were actually aware of their freedom, uh, depending on what state they were in? And even after they were legally declared free, what happened? Were they afforded education? Were they afforded housing? No. Uh, most people had to scramble for themselves. And um, there's a whole area of study, which I've just learned about, called uh, contraband students. And these were uh, enslaved people who tried to seek education, and they were known as contrabands because they were no longer owned by anybody. And uh, I know subsequently in history, the Freeman Bureau started and they opened up schools. But that was much later. And so this is where we get into the sharecropping, the chain gangs, and all these things to um, access a pool of free labor. And uh, sadly, it's my position that even in 2022, we still have various forms of uh, free labor in our society, and we still have, as a result of oppression of color, it has created jobs for other people who are not of color, like the foster care system, the criminal justice system, the uh, prison industrial complex. So we need to have teachings and prayings and demonstrations and all these kinds of things on Juneteenth and begin to ask people, well, what is the historical significance? 
after this uh, group of people in Galveston, Texas, were advised that they had been freed. What about the other people in all the other states and nations in this nation that were uh, deemed to be living? So anyway, I'm outdoors. I, I take a paratransit vehicle, and they're here to pick me up. So be glad. Okay. The fight continues. Thank you. And thanks for contributing so meaningfully today, despite all the the things that you had to fight off. You did a good job. Thank you very much. Uh, we have uh, Jafunza from Ohio. How you doing? Um, okay. I want to say thank you. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm calling for the cult women, conscious conscious human beings. I'm calling because honoring our ancestors to me is always with me. They were physically free, but not mentally free, financially free, no reparations whatsoever. Even in the 60s, the churches stopped the freedom schools. They were teaching history and culture and tutoring our children weekends and holidays and several several other occasions i feel our group empowerment was the most powerful thing that we had and we went into the individualism accepted the fact of individualism individualism however we don't value history we don't value self and that's what hurts i i i feel pain all the time I know our people feel they're being successful, buying this, that, doing this and that, but they're not doing anything. They're just going up a treadmill, and they're not, they're not holding their value of self. And that's, that's what's so hurtful. That's what I, I know our ancestors are, have to be hurt because they're not valuing their self and their children's children. That's scary. Thank you very much, Jafonza. And for contributing to all of us today. Thank you. Well, we have Jeremiah up next from Harlem. Hello, Jeremiah. You're on the air. How are you today, Eutrice? I'm um, hanging in. I, too, am outside. Yeah, I'm... Hopefully there won't be too much noise. I'm also outside. I'm in the historic black community of Harlem. And, you know, I hate to be a curmudgeon. Maybe I'm just a contrarian. But, you know, something really rubs me the wrong way about this Juneteenth stuff. I'm just so tired of being co-opted. I'm so tired as a black person of being sold back my own bag of goods. Um, You know, we don't need their permission to celebrate. I would like to detach from the so-called American society as well as I can. You know, I I kind of agree with Dr. Neely Fuller Jr. who says that, you know, we're, we're prisoners and prisoners have no reason to celebrate. And it just strikes me as we get all the symbolism, we get the holidays, but we don't get the legislation that we were promised. We don't get the legislation that we deserve. And as I pointed out in my previous call, we get bypassed by every other so-called ethnic group 
in terms of our needs. Joe Biden had the damn nerve to say, you're not black if you don't vote for him, and then proceeded to go in and provide a bill for the protection of Asian people who have the lowest voter turnout of all ethnic groups. And I say that with no disrespect to the Asian community, but how does that work? That we're pressured to support them, and then when we do, we get nothing in return except symbolic things. And, you know, I'm, I'm here, you know, in Harlem, as I said, there was just a shooting exactly 10 blocks from where I am right now. I'm on 129th Street. On 139th Street, two nights ago, eight people were shot. So wow. What are we celebrating exactly? We need to clean up what's going on in our community. This is not time for celebration. You have a birthday party when your house is on fire? When you see your house is on fire, you say, oh, it's time for a party. No, it's not. This is called an emergency. So, you know, I don't, I just don't understand it. You know, it's like we pretend to have self-pride, but then we need approvals from others. You know, we have this image of success as a European, not a European person, but a person wearing a European suit. You know, what about the traditional garb of various indigenous societies? You know, I don't think you're more of a person because you wear a fancy suit. You went to, you know, the so-called university system. You know, I performed with James Blood Ulmer as an electric bassist. Oh, wow, yeah. That's one of the greatest credentials of my career. I owe a lot to Blood. He taught me the blues from scratch and, you know, took me to a lot of different countries I would have never seen. Learned a lot from James Blood Ulmer. And he has a song where he says, I'm looking for the man that's never been to the white man's jail, never been to the white man's school, and never learned the white man's rules. Hmm. And that's how I feel. We don't need their approval. We can have our own celebrations. And I'd well, like to thank tell you them. Very much. No, 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 thank you. We don't need your approval. Thank you, thank you very much, but no thanks. <laughs> thanks. Thanks very much for your contribution today. Um, I see the need. I see a need to extend this conversation till tomorrow. And that's exactly what we'll do. We'll continue the conversation tomorrow because there's a lot of people who have not yet spoken. And it would be important to hear what they have to say. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all the more for contributing. I just love you unabashedly. So let's get together tomorrow again and continue from where we're leaving off today. Bye-bye.